We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you on this beautiful autumn day. How many of you are thankful that you live in God's country? Come on, somebody. Yes, I love it, man. It's just so beautiful out. And today, I think it's kind of fitting with our whole brand new message series we're starting today called Prosperous Soul. Prosperous Soul. And I think um, as I pray into every message series, really everything that's happening in our world right now is heavy, isn't it? I mean, you turn on the news, you read the newspaper, it's, it's negativity, it's bad news, it's, it's this virus that we thought we would be over by now, it continues to rear its ugly head, and even worse, the damage physically that it's doing, I believe that it's doing damage to our souls. And so more than ever, we need the grace of God to help us, help our souls thrive and be healthy and prosperous. But if we're gonna be honest with each other, that's a struggle because we're human and we're these human beings in this human body trying to follow a perfect God and and even that sounds like an impossible endeavor but we're going to see today as we kick off this brand new message series how John shows us this connection between the health of our soul and the health of our whole body and how everything flows in our life and is successful every part of our life that is touched by the power, the presence, and the life of God will flourish, it will succeed, it will be healthy. And so how many of you could use some health in your soul? And I believe over the next several six weeks as we get into this message series, I'm excited to bring you these messages. Uh, next, uh, next couple of weeks, next week, we're gonna have an amazing guest speaker It's gonna share some, um, a testimony of, of his personal struggle with depression and how he has fought in his soul for health. And you're, gonna, you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be powerful. The following week, we're going to talk about um, how to break free from the strongholds of our past. How many of you know that oftentimes there's things in our past, even though we're a new creation in Christ, we have to let old things die and break free of them before we can fully embrace the new that God has. And then we're going to look at the problem with pain. For many of us, pain is a problem, isn't it? And we don't like pain and we don't like suffering. None of us do, but the reality of life, even Jesus said, in this life you're going to have trouble. But take heart, take courage. I've overcome the world. And there's something that God wants to teach us through pain and suffering sometimes that we will only know about God in ourself through going through pain and suffering. And then we're going to learn how oftentimes, woo, our problem... And God said, let there be light. <laughs> I think that's even prophetic how he's taking you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, somebody. That's what a good preacher will do. See that? See how that works? And so and then the following week, we're going to see how oftentimes our greatest problem is that we open doors to our soul and we allow things to come into our soul that are not good for us. Paul said, everything is permissible. In other words, you're free but not everything is beneficial. And so sometimes we open ourselves up to things that are not good for us. And we give them access to our soul. And when we do, they take root and they don't want to leave. And so we have to learn how to kick them out, the truth and the power of God, and close those doors. And I'm going I'm to teach you on how to do that, to shut the door of your soul and to keep it locked in with the power and the presence of God. And we're going to learn how to rest 
There's some important principle, I think, that in our modern-day, fast-paced culture that many of us are missing and is messing with our soul in this fast-paced culture that we live in, and that is this thing called Sabbath. It is Sabbath. God instituted a Sabbath, and he's instituted sacred rhythms in our life so that we can find rest for our weary souls. And then lastly, we're going to end with learning how to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and allow our soul to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the other way around. Sound good to you? So I want to invite you to continue to come to church over these next six weeks as we journey together in endeavoring to have our soul be healthy. Amen? Amen. I want to start out this morning with really the main scripture for this whole message series. Um, this, this one scripture just hit me hard. As, as a pastor, a local pastor, in the last year and a half, I've seen so many people struggle. Marriages, struggling, some have fallen apart, some are left with the brokenness of divorce and trying to be single parents. Um, people are struggling with anxiety and fear. I told our elders that I think probably one of the worst things um, that has happened during this pandemic, besides people losing their life physically, which is terrible, um, but I believe the enemy of our soul has jumped in on top of this pandemic and he has tried to get us to open ourselves up to fear. And the spirit of fear is one of those strongholds that when we allow fear to enter our soul, he opens up that door and he comes in with a flood of his other minions, anxiety, depression, uh, restlessness, all these things. And we are being plagued. If you look at uh, mental health statistics over the last year and a half, in particular with young people. Uh, the increase in anxiety and depression has gone up 256%. 256%. There's no, um, it shouldn't be surprising that some of our young people are really struggling. And the greatest tragedy is that they're losing hope for their future. And some of, some of them are looking at everything that's happening in our world today, as many of us are, and saying, is there, is there hope? Yet, my Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And so we need to remind our young people that they have a hope and they have a future. This is why as a church that we just got done last week praying around Glacier High School after the recent suicides for eight days straight in a row from six to seven o'clock. And many of you took place in that. We tried to rally and did rally some other churches to take place in that because there, there's a, a, something that needs to be broken, spiritually speaking. And some things only come out through prayer and fasting. And so even as we engage on this journey together, I want to challenge you as your pastor to not just come to church and listen to the messages, but I want to challenge you to really pray into this. And even maybe for some of you need to fast because I believe that there's something that God wants to do in your life. He wants to break through and he wants to fill some holes in your soul. And so this main passage, when I read this, it just jumped out the page at me. It said, yes, this is what we need right now. It's in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, Beloved, I pray, and this is John, the great apostle John, the beloved, He's praying for one of the elders of the church, and he makes an important distinguishment and connection that you and I can't miss. He says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. How many things? Just all things in your life 
that you would prosper in all things and be in what? Health, just as your soul prospers. And so, so John makes this important connection that we have to understand. And even the medical industry, uh, medical um, people and corporate uh, field, thank you, medical field, <laughs> doctors and researchers are finding and proving the Bible to be true in this verse to be proving true as they find that people that struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and anger, they have health problems. And oftentimes I believe, and they're, they're, I really truly believe that a lot of the health issues that many of us are experiencing have a root in something in our soul that needs healing and health brought to it. And, and we're going to explore together this connection, and we're going to explore some ways that I believe that God wants to bring some health, healing, and wholeness to our souls. And it starts right here in the beginning. And, I, and I'm going to tell you that for me, even as a pastor, I believe some church leaders, and even as I, in this community of other church leaders and pastors, over the last year and a half, there's so many pastors that are leaving the ministry. There's so many pastors that now it's coming out that they're really struggling with some things. Depression, anxiety. Because we're human people. Like, yes, we are spiritual beings, but the reality is, is we are still in a human body. And we all go through things. And I think the church over the years has kind of made this topic taboo. Like, we don't talk about it. We don't recognize, and even if you, you struggle with mental health issues, there's something, there's a stigma that's been placed on you that, that you should be fine because you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, and that you shouldn't be wrestling with these things. And, and it becomes a shameful thing to admit that there's the reality that I've got some holes in my soul. There's, there's, there's a reality that I'm, I'm really struggling with them, some, some things. And I want you to know that Hope Church I even told we had an amazing uh, leadership retreat. We do it once a year. We gather all our leaders. How many of you went to that and were blessed by it? I just had so much fun. One of my favorite things is speaking into our leaders. They're the heart and soul of this church. I get to do this because of them. And so we have some amazing leaders in this church. And once a year, we gather them together. We bless them. We want them to get uh, refreshed, encouraged, and we want to equip them with some practical tools. And, um, and I, was just, I was just telling them that I really believe that our connection, like how healthy we are as leaders, determines how we can lead our church into health. And so I believe that God is doing something in this time on the earth that he's wanting his people to walk in health and wholeness. You understand that God never saves you to pull you out of something just so that you could be saved and buy your time here on earth. That he actually calls you out of darkness into light. <laughs> not to leave you in darkness, not to leave you without a plan for your life, not to leave you the same that you were. Um, but for many of us, we struggle and we're afraid to tell anybody. We're afraid to be honest about it. I told those leaders, I said, my heart for Hope Church is that this would be a house of hope and healing. And that this would be a place where you could come and be free to be who you really are and admit that you're not okay. <laughs> like sometimes you have to be able to come to a safe place where it's okay not to be okay. And I think for too many years, Christians have put makeup over our bruises, put makeup over our wounds, put on a happy face, 
Come to church. Shake somebody's hands. How are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing great, Pastor Lance. Bless the Lord. And, and inside, you're dying. You're struggling. You're not sleeping. But you're so afraid to just be real and that you're going to be rejected in the church. And people are going to look at you like some Christian weirdo because you actually go to see a, a Christian counselor or something and are doing something to try to deal with it. So the title of my message this morning is The Hole in My Soul. The Hole in My Soul. And today I just want to set a foundation for the rest of this message series that we can agree together that we all have these holes in our soul, if you will. And God doesn't want to leave those holes there, but for many of us, we don't know what to do with them. And we're challenged on how do I... How do, I, how do I get fixed? I have brokenness in my life. I have areas, gaps, if you will, in my character. I have, I have things I struggle with that in private that nobody knows about. I have thoughts and, and wrong patterns of thinking that are unhealthy. I have uh, eating issues and, and I have addictions that I wrestle with and struggle with that nobody really knows about. I have these holes, but because we're too afraid to actually address them, to recognize them, to admit that I've got a hole in my soul, they, they, they go left unattended to. And I really believe that God said, I actually think that the word that God gave me for our leaders on Friday night is even a word for some of you here. When the Israelites, they were stuck, for 40 years they wandered in the, in the desert, but there was one place, Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai, uses both names in the Bible, it's interesting because it was the place where God sovereignly met Moses in a burning bush. And, and Moses had an encounter there that changed his life forever. And yet, there was a, a whole year out of the 40 where the Israelites, the people of God, were stuck there at Mount Horeb. And God gets to a place where he's like, what are you doing here? And he says to Moses, tell the people you have stayed on this mountain long enough. It's time to move on. It's time to get back in the fight. It's time to get back in the battle. And I believe um, prophetically that the Lord would say to some of you this morning, you've stayed on this mountain long enough. It's time to get back in the fight. Because some of us have given up. And, and that's where I want to start this morning. Because um, I believe that the starting place is our hope. It's when we lose hope. We lose hope that we could really change. We lose hope that we can actually become the people that God said we'd become. We lose hope that the promises of God are true and that I can experience them in my life. And so we're going to explore that together. But the first hole that I think we have to deal with is the hole of hopelessness. It's the hole of my hope. Where's my hope in all of this? If you guys can follow along with me, um, that would be great. Um, and so this hole in my hope over time, as we are exploring and going after God together, you'll hear from the pulpit and you read in Scripture that we are new creations in Christ. Behold, all things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And so we're told we're new creations, that the old things are dead, we're new, God's given us amazing promises in Him, that we are these new people. And in the beginning, when we start to follow Christ, there's this, I call the honeymoon phase, where just like, you know, when you're first married, 
that, uh, you know, and if some of you are newly married, God bless you. Just stay there as long as you can. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be. And, but it's a wonderful journey, by the way. And, but in our beginning journeys with Christ, it's all amazing. It's new. We feel so much the presence of God. We come alive. I remember those feelings were amazing. But in, and I believe those feelings are there for a reason. They kind of get us going on the journey. But there's something that happens along the journey. Those feelings start to fade a little bit. And, and then, just like in marriage, the reality is, is we start to see flaws in ourselves. Some of the things that we thought were dead, that were part of the old me, we realize quickly they're still there. And we're like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought, Pastor Lance, you said that those things are done with, they're dead. Like, I don't have to deal with them anymore. And the reality is, is they are dead. But, but Paul says, you have to reckon them dead. In other, means, in other words, you have to remind your soul that that's not me anymore. That I actually am that new person, but your feelings, or what the Bible would call your flesh, would try to tell you otherwise. And, and so there's, there can be this tension in our relationship with God where, where God says and he declares, you're a new creation. You're, you are the righteousness in Christ. And all these things... And we get excited about them. But then when we live life, the reality is, is no, I still have broken pieces. Like I have holes. And God is trying to pour his spirit out into you. He's trying to pour joy and peace and love into us. And we have moments where we experience them and they're amazing. It's like we had in worship today. But uh, I don't know, how many of you have ever had a hole in your pocket? Now, for me, as a dude, my pockets are like my man purse. <laughs> Just going to say it, right? Like, you know, I go into my wife's purse and, um, you know, as a mom of five, you go into a mom's purse. That's a scary thing, guys. Like, you don't know what's going to have to come out of there. I mean, there's like granola bars from five years ago. Uh, you know, unwrapped, they got mold on them. There's lipstick. There's, you know, five things of antibacterial stuff and, you know, tissues, of course, and all this stuff. And, and my pockets are a lot like that as a dude. Like, I put everything in my pockets. Like, of course, you know, I have to have my, my man chapstick, you know, because everybody needs chapstick. Every man needs a chapstick. I believe that. That's kind of like man lipstick, right? You need chapstick. So that's good. And, uh, and it's okay to have cherry. Guys, don't mess with your masculinity. It's all right. I like it. Um, but I have my chapstick. I keep my chapstick. I keep it. My wife is always amazed when she goes to do laundry, what comes out of my pockets. It's like, oh my gosh, like where, where did you get this? And what's in here? And all kinds of stuff. And of course, there's the traditional lint. And, um, but I remember like about a month and a half ago, I went to look for my chapstick and it wasn't there. And I knew, I'm like, wait a minute, am I going crazy? I know in the morning I put my, I always put my chapstick in my pocket, my man purse. It should be right here. And I go to get it. It's not there. It's missing. And so I don't think anything of it. Later on, I don't really carry cash, but when I do, I put it in my pocket. And I took $20, and I, I think I found it somewhere. I, I don't carry cash, but I find money around my house my kids leave around. I take it for myself. I'm like, hey, it's my money anyway, so now it's mine. You leave it out, you leave it in your pocket, it's my money now. This is like this dad's little stash. And uh, I found like $20 bill, and I knew I was going somewhere that only took cash. And I don't like those places now because I never carry cash. But I put that 20 in my pocket. And then later on, when I went to the place and I'm, I'm getting ready to pay for whatever I was paying, I went and I'm digging around in my pocket. And you know that feeling when you're like, wait a minute, it's not here. 
and I'm standing at the cash register. The, the person, the lady behind the counter is looking at you like, uh, you going to pay? Like, I got other stuff to do. And you're like, yeah, I got it. I promise. I know it's here somewhere. And you're digging around and digging around, and it's, you're like pulling it out, and you're like, I know it's here somewhere, but I can't find it. Well, when I pulled out my pocket, what I found is I had this, <laughs> see? Wrappers. Here, here you go, babe. That's, that's, for, that's for you. <laughs> When I pulled out my pocket, I realized that there was this major hole in my pocket. And everything that I was putting in my pocket, I was losing it. So now I go to the bathroom, like digging in my pants. And it's, can I come down here? It's going to, I got it. I think I feel it. No, I completely lost it. And I had to leave. And I was mad. I was upset. And I think that's a lot like some of us, that God has been trying to put peace and joy and his love inside of your soul. And because we have these gaps, we have these areas of brokenness and it comes in and it goes out and we leak. We leak. That's why we have to keep coming back into the presence of God. And we get filled up, but we leak. And it's going out through these holes. And you know, sometimes I think we read the Bible and we look at these heroes of the faith and we're going to look at two of them. And we say, man, these are amazing men and women of God. And we put our lives up against their lives. And we say, man, I can never measure up to that. I can't be that. But, but one of the things that I love about amazing men of God in the Bible is that they were real. They didn't hold back what was going on inside of them. And that's one of the reasons I love David. It's one of the reasons in the Bible, um, I love David here too, but it's one of the reasons in the Bible, I love you, bro, um, that I love David because the Psalms are like peeking into his personal journal. And if you read the Psalms, and if you're really struggling on a soul level, I just want to encourage you to read the Psalms because reading the Psalms, you see this man that was called a man after God's own heart. The only man in the Bible. He's a man after my own heart. You want to know why? Because he was real. He was in touch with the reality that there are things that are happening on the inside of me, in my soul. I have some holes in my soul. I don't know what to do with. And they're messing with me. And one of those is in Psalm 42. And I want you to just see this. Psalm 42, 1 through 5. Just a little, little touch. Listen to his heart. He says, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. He recognized that my soul is thirsty, that it's tired. Actually, if you look at the real original Hebrew, it's like I am completely spent, tired. I don't know what to do, but I know that I need some refreshment. How many of you would say you feel tired? Going through this season... I've talked, I talked to many other pastors and some that are kind of mentors to me and they ask me, how you doing? Because they know, like, this is a hard season for pastors to walk through. And you know what the number one thing that I keep saying is, you know, I just feel tired. But it's not like a physical tired. It's like I feel tired in my soul. And so some of what, we, we understand what that feels like. Our souls get weary of just dealing with the things of this life and the reality of our humanity. And, and it leaves this hole for some of us We've been hurt. We've been wounded. Somebody gets, somebody gets stabbed in relationships and hurt you and wounded you, and it's burst open and you bled out and left a hole inside of you. Somebody, the enemy of your soul, the Bible says he shot arrows at you. Lies, condemnation, guilt, shame that's left holes in you. And if we don't care for those holes and recognize that all of us have them, and experience them. 
but it's really where we turn to to fill them. And so David understands something. He says this. He says, where can I go to meet with God? He understands that if I'm going to get this hole in my soul filled, and he understands, I'm thirsty, I'm longing, my soul thirsts. There's something missing in my soul, and I need it. And, and where I go, where can I go to meet with God? And he says, my tears have been my food all day and night. He's struggling. While people say to me all day long, look, they're even mocking him. Where is your God? And this is exactly what the enemy of your soul wants to do to you. Where's your God? I thought you were a Christian. Why are you feeling this way? You shouldn't be struggling with this. Where is God in this? Where is the power that you heard Pastor Lance preach about? Where is that in your life? Come on. And he will almost taunt you just like they taunted David. He said, my tears, where is your God in verse 4? And look at now he turns to something that is important that we have to understand. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throne. This is an important principle. He understands that he can't stay in the mindset, in the place of his soul where he's at. So what he does is he goes back to testimonies. He goes back to times in his life where he remembers. Come on, am I speaking to some people this morning that remember how God sovereignly met you at times in your life and pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light? And he remembers coming into the house of God. And he says, man, it was joyful just like it was this morning. There was joy, there was praise, and my soul got filled. And then he goes back and speaks to his soul. You understand that you can do that, right? That part of your soul, your soul is, consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so your will, you control your will with your mind. So I can tell my mind. David also reminds us of something. That when you're down and you don't understand what's going on, that you can actually speak to your soul and command it to get in alignment with the word of the Lord. Amen. And the testimony of the Lord. This is where breakthrough begins. And so he speaks to his soul and he says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? He's like, dude, what's going on inside of me? He's speaking to himself. Why are you feeling this way? You know how many times I've done this? There's times, why just get in a funk? You know what I'm talking about? You just get in a funk. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You know? And it's amazing to me how finicky our souls are. Right? I could be in church, I'm dancing, I'm loving Jesus, I'm worshiping him, I'm on top of the mountain, I get in my car, and somebody cuts me off, and I give them the year number one sign, right? Like that's, and you're like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and I'm like, man, what is going on inside of me that I reacted that way, or I lash out at my wife or kids, or I'm ugly to them? And it, and it hits me that, there's something there deeper beneath the surface that we have to deal with. It's kind of like having a, you know that some of these things that manifest, we make them to be the thing. We make depression to be the thing. We make anxiety to be the thing. We make fear to be the thing. And they're a thing, no doubt. But they're not the real thing. You understand that, right? And here's the problem. We're trying to treat symptoms instead of getting to the root. God always wants to get to the root. But David tells us, I don't understand where this is coming from. I know it's coming from somewhere, but I have no idea where the root is. 
And this is where we need to turn to God and get real with each other. Because what happens is after a while, if we allow this cycle to continue, we get into a place where we start to get hopeless. We start to think, man, I've been following Jesus and going to church for years, and I'm still struggling with these things. I still got these bad habits. I still struggle with the same sin. I still got bad attitudes. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Or am I preaching just to myself? Because I'm preaching to myself this morning. But here's what happens. Over time, if we don't get off that mountain and do something about it, we lower our expectation. And there becomes this expectation gap, this hole, if you will, between the root and the fruit. And God says, if you're going to have fruit in your life, you have to allow me to get to the root of what's going on in your soul. And that doesn't just happen, people. See, some of us, we just think that God's going to zap us. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? How many times have you prayed that, Tracy? Like, God, just zap me. Just take this thing away. Just make it better. I don't want to have to do any work for it. But do you understand that when Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he wasn't saying work for your salvation. Important distinguishment. You can't work for your salvation. Otherwise, it wouldn't be salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God. You just receive it by faith. You can't work for it. But what you can do, what he's talking about is the word salvation. There's two words in the Greek. One is soteria, and the other is this word sozo. And the word sozo not only means to be saved, as in your eternal salvation, it means to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free, and guess what? To be made whole. God wants to fill the hole in your soul. But we have to give him space to be able to do that. The second hole that I believe that needs to be filled is the hole in my holiness. The hole in my holiness. See, again, going back to salvation. Here's something. This is the gospel. This is the truth. Too many Christians don't understand really the depth of what salvation is. Theologically speaking, when you are saved, you are taken out of something, out of sin and darkness, and you are um, launched into this new life. But this new life doesn't just get handed to you on a silver platter, although we would like that. It begins this process. In fact, when um, John was saying um, that to his friend that you would prosper and be in good health even of your soul. Basically, that phrase was a pretty common phrase back then in Latin. And what it meant was, I hope your journey goes well with you. And so there's, there's this connotation that when we are saved, we have a new position in Christ. Now, I'm going to get a little theological because it's important that you understand this. You have to get this. Is that you are a new creation in Christ. However, you are becoming gradually over time as you continually walk with God more and more like Jesus. Theologians call this the sanctification process. It's recognizing that even though I'm saved, I still have holes in my holiness. I still have cracks in my character. I still have things that I struggle with. And if we're not careful, this can really mess with us in a major way. And I'll get into that. Look at, and, and actually the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, another man who was very real about the tension of this process. And he says in Romans 7, 
uh, verse 15, 15, he says this, I don't really understand myself. Anybody can relate to that. <laughs> I don't understand my, I don't get me. <laughs> I don't get me. I don't get what's going on in me. I don't know why I do the things I do. He says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right. Like I've got the desire, but I don't do it. <laughs> Instead, I do the very thing that I hate and that I don't want to do. He says in verse 23 now, and you feel this tension in Paul, and you can feel this tension in your walk with Christ every single day when we get up, that there's this aching hole in our holiness, that there's this other power at work. It says there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. Your mind is part of your soul. And the power, this power, makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Wait a minute, I thought I was free. Oh, what a miserable person I am. And this is the conclusion that many of us come to. We start to identify ourselves with our failure. We start to identify ourselves with our sin. And you're going to see an important distinguishment that Paul makes. He actually separates his true self, who he is in Christ, the new creation, with the sin that is still trying to work in his body and keep him and hold him back from walking in that newness of life, experiencing the resurrection power. It wants to hold you in the grave, keep you back. And for many of you, you feel this tension inside of you every single day. It's working against you and creating these holes in my holiness and it messes. Where does the war take place? In my mind. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here's the turning point. And thanks be to God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And I love it. And right in the next chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, he says, now, therefore, summing up all I just covered with you, now, therefore, and this is where the war is, because this is where the enemy will attack you and try to reap condemnation and guilt and shame on you when you recognize this. And he says, now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the power through Jesus Christ that has broken, the, because through Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Aren't you grateful? for that law but here here's the problem with the hole in our holiness and really what Paul struggled that whole passage is speaking to how we get to a place where we want to be holy and we don't know how to and so we think the answer is trying harder I just need to be more disciplined I, I need to pray more I need to read my Bible more now all those things might be good but they are not ultimately the answer that's surface level that's what we that's where we fail we try to change our outward behavior instead of allowing the holy spirit to change us in the soul and let us be changed and transformed from the inside out we're trying to modify our behavior change what we do and that is not the answer the answer is always changing who we are first i'm becoming a new person I'm transformed, as Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, that don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, that there's a pattern that you used to live in, and that pattern is warring against you, trying to keep you stuck 
on that mountain, stuck in your addiction, stuck in your sin, and it's trying to bring down your expectation of what God can do and put a hole in your hope, hope and put a hole in your holiness and so that we want to give up. So some of us have given up and we're giving up and we've lowered our expectation. Other of us say, I'm going to grind it out. <laughs> I'm going to grit my teeth. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set my alarm for five o'clock. I'm going to hit the snooze button four times, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to spend time with God and by golly, in all my strength, I'm going to get through this. And we grit our teeth and we realize, Paul says, you know what? It doesn't work. And so Jeremiah speaks directly to this. He says, my people have committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. So you have to realize, I love it, when the woman at the well came to Jesus, and she thought she was just coming for a bucket of water, and she encountered this man, Jesus, and he says, you know what, you got a lot of holes in your soul. In fact, you've had five of them. <laughs> you've had five relationships that didn't work out. Five husbands. And there's a brokenness in you that will only be healed if you taste of this living water. He said, if you only knew the gift of God that was right in front of you. And too many of us, our greatest sin is that we have forsaken the spring of living water. That there is God right in front of us saying, come to me, all who are thirsty and weary, and I will give you something to drink. And like, like David, man, we are thirsty. Our souls are thirsty for the living God. Thirsty for the living water. And the second sin is this. We have dug our own cisterns. There's a problem. They got a hole in them. They're broken. They leak out. They don't hold it. So for many of us, we have these holes in our soul, and we don't know how to fix them. And we try. We put some flex seal tape on and some crazy glue and whatever infomercial tape stuff that you're going to fix anything with. You put a hole in the, in the bottom of an aluminum boat, and you just put this on there. I'm like, Really? But that's exactly what we do. We try to fix it with alcohol, with drugs, with porn, with a person, with a spouse, with food, with shopping, with the internet, with being successful, with money, with things, even good things sometimes. We try to create cisterns and try to fill the hole in our soul. And it's this insatiable gap that only God can fill. So how do we break out of it? I'm gonna give you three things real quick. The first one is this. You need to repent of it. Repentance is agreeing with God. Something's wrong. I'm broken. I've got a hole in my soul that I've tried to fix God that I don't know what to do with. And it's stopping, ceasing from your works and recognizing I can't fix me. There's no amount of help I can give myself to make me better. There's only one great physician. And he said, I didn't come for those who were healthy. He said, I came for those who needed a physician because they're sick. They have a sick soul. There's a hole in their soul that only I know how to mend, that only I know how to fix. See, repentance is recognizing it's getting honest with yourself and honest with God. And it's saying, God, I need a change. 
And I, I want to challenge you. I believe today is the day that some of you make repentance as a decision. It's saying, I don't like the way my life is going. I'm tired of staying on this mountain. I'm tired of going around and around this mountain. Today, I'm making a decision. I'm repenting. I'm changing my soul, my mind, and I'm turning to you and agreeing with you, God. Houston, we've got a problem. I've got a hole in my soul, and only you can fix it. The second thing we need to do is we need to believe in who God, the truth. We need to believe the truth of who God says you are. This is where it all begins. This is on the depth of the foundation of your soul. Because everything you believe about yourself, everything that you believe about what you've experienced in life, everything that you believed about what happened through that accident, everything that you believed about yourself um, become from that failure, everything that you believe about yourself from that sin that you're struggling with, everything you believe about yourself from the addiction, that failed marriage, that bad parenting, everything that we believe is true is the foundation for our soul. And so it starts at the identity level. You got to know the truth about who God says you are more than all the other voices that are trying to tell you who you are. Look at this, and it starts, there's no condemnation. You're not jacked up. There's nothing wrong with you. It, you're human. We experience these things. That's what happens. We have to believe the truth. I'm going to tell you this story, and then we're going to close. Um, you guys can come up. I was reading about this, this lady. Um, I'm trying to remember her name. It was an amazing story. She was from Colombia. And when she was five years old, her name's Marina Chapman. When she was five years old, she was abducted right out of her backyard. She was taken, put a hood over her head, tied up, drug out to the woods, and you can only imagine what happened from there. Terrible things happened to her. Five years old. She's left out in the woods, tied up with this sack on her head. It's dark, scary. Five-year-old, can you imagine? And she thinks, I'm dead. This is it. She's scared. She's able to actually, for hours, just bruises on her hand, just trying to get out of the ropes. She finally breaks free of the ropes, pulls the hood off her head. She just gets in a ball by a tree, doesn't know what to do. Scared, tired, hungry, all these thoughts, fears. She survives the night, doesn't sleep at all, all the sounds of the jungle and the forest. She survives two nights. Something interesting on the third day happens. I think it's also interesting that it was on the third day. Three is an important number of the Bible. It means resurrection. She thought she was going to die. But on the third day, this community of, of monkeys came and surrounded her. And at first, they didn't know if she was a danger. So they, they're kind of testing her out and coming up to her and kind of hitting her and yelling at her. And she's all freaked out and scared. But after she just sits there for a while, they go away. They realize she's safe. She's not a threat. And the next day, they come back. And by this point, she's in dehydration. She's about to die from starvation and dehydration. And they bring and drop some fruit in front of her. She ravishly eats the fruit and just gets refreshed. And then she starts to follow these monkeys. 
she literally like joins their community it's, a, it's like a living jungle book story and she starts to watch these monkeys how they survive she sees that they catch water on big branches and, and they drink from it so she starts doing that and she hydrates herself she figures out how they forage for food and, and feeds herself for five years this goes on until one day she's up in a tree and she sees something shiny on the leaves and the ground and the dirt she jumps down to check what it is she pushes the dirt away from it she jumps back because what it was it was a mirror and for the first time in her life she actually sees a human being and the human being is her she sees the reflection of who she is and it scares her because she thinks she's like everybody else that she's been surrounded with. She thinks she looks like a monkey. She thinks that's who she is. For the first time, she sees the reality of who God created her to be and who she really is. And she realized, I'm not like them. I'm different. It began this journey of where she, she made it out of the jungle miraculously. And she went through this healing process over time, filling those holes of abuse, of fear, anxiety, shame, learning how to speak human, learning to become, even though she got a glimpse of who she was, now she was learning how to become who she was. And for many of us, that's a journey. That's why every time that you read the Bible, it's a reflection of who you are in Christ and who God says you are. And the last thing that we need is we need God's grace to fill our gaps. The grace of God fills the holes in our heart. Yeah, I'm not there then. Paul said this. He's pleaded with God three times. God, take this thorn away from me. This thorn, something pierced him, something wounded him. And it was messing with him, messing with his soul. You know, after, after you pull a thorn out, what happens? It leaves what? It leaves a hole. There was a hole left in Paul's side. There was something plaguing him in his soul. And he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times, take it away. You know how the Lord responded? I'm not going to take it away. You know what I'll do? I'll fill it with my grace. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my power is made perfect, complete, made whole. And I love that we are a broken people that God embraces, that he loves us and accepts us unconditionally, that he sees us in the reality of our state and our condition, all of the holes in our heart, all, all the holes in our soul. And he says, I'm going to send my son, Jesus. And you know what? He's going to fill those holes with his grace. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain the peace and the well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. The grace of God fills our gaps. 
come on, there's some of you today that I believe today's the day you get real with God and we recognize that there's some holes in my soul that only the grace of God can fill. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet. Pastor Rob is going to minister to us. I want you to listen to the words to this song. And I want you to not just listen to it, but I want you to experience the very love of God, the acceptance of God, the grace of God. And let it be a prayer of our heart. God, would you fill my gaps with your grace? Will you fill the whole of my soul with your love? Some of us we've never experienced, we doubt the love of God. We doubt that God could really love me with all of these holes in my soul, but I'm telling you, the love of God is poured out on you and me. And the grace of God, we get what we don't deserve. We get his love, we get his acceptance. His banner over you is love. He says, I love you, I accept you, you're mine. You're my son, you're my daughter. Come on, some of you, this is your breakthrough moment. I wanna pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, come in power, come in power. Fill every heart, fill every soul, fill every gap with your grace, fill every person's heart with your love. Would you flood our hearts? God, would you enlighten their hearts to the knowledge of your love in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.